Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Hi and welcome to Connections. I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. At any given time, there are around 50,000 children in the foster care system in Canada. And in the U.S., that number is 500,000. Today we're going to hear about an incredible village that is made up of children in foster care and their caregivers and senior citizens who act as surrogate grandparents. Their goal is to help kids move to a forever home. It's called New Life Village and you'll hear how they're really bringing new life to hurting children. That's right here on Connections. Mariah Hayden is the director of New Life Village in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. But it's not your ordinary town. Mariah, tell us about New Life Village. So New Life Village is, um, there's a lot of adjectives here. We're an intentional intergenerational community. So what that means is that everybody lives in our community is here for a greater purpose. And in this case, it's a mission. Um, and I'll tell you about the mission in a second. And then we're intergenerational. And so we purposefully have uh, residents of different generations. We have seniors all the way through birth children. And the point of that is uh, like an old school neighborhood, but we all help each other out. We all participate in raising uh, the child, so it takes a village to raise a child. Um, back to the intentional part, there's a lot of intentional communities around the country. You know, you might pair able-bodied people with disabled veterans or um, able-bodied people with um, children with autism or disabilities or something like that. In our community, um, Tampa sits amongst three crises. The first crisis is we have an affordable housing crisis. Um, there's about 60,000 families, households that can't afford housing in our market right now. Um, our second local crisis is a foster care crisis. We have the most amount of children in foster care in the entire state of Florida, and Florida's number three in the country. So we have way more foster children um, than we do have foster parents, um, and the system is just very overwhelmed. And then the third crisis is the opioid crisis, which is, um, as you guys probably know, hitting um, us nationally, maybe even internationally. So all three things are going on in our market, and they all uh, are at a crossroads of each other. So lack of housing is putting children in foster care, and opioid crisis is putting children in foster care. So the people who can live in our community are... Um, either families or seniors. So families um, are either foster, adoptive, or kinship families. And kinship is when a, a relative, a grandma, a grandma, an aunt, or an uncle is caring for a child and has um, gotten them out of or prevented them from going into foster care. Um, and so those are the families that live here. All, almost all of our children have endured trauma or multiple traumas, um, and then you have the senior citizens, and they're acting as surrogate grandparents, tutors, mentors, respite care providers. And so we all come together to raise these kids who've had a, a very um, tough past, and our goal is to give them stability and security and family and safety. Mariah, I'm wondering, what does the village look like? Is it an actual village, or it's more like a community group that gets together a couple times a week? No, we live together. You live <laughs> together. Me. I, I live. I live. Uh, management lives off site. Off site, but we have twelve acres here in in, in um, Florida, and we're very blessed because, as of now, um, the the buildings and the property is mortgage free. Um, we basically, um, when Sister Claire, our founder, had this on her heart 
to do, because we've, we've been enduring a foster care crisis for a while here in Tampa, but about, I'd say about 10 years ago, she had it on her heart to do this. There was a similar model up in um, Illinois. She went up there, she toured it, she goes, okay, I want to bring this to Tampa. And they were looking for locations. That was right in the middle of the housing crisis, the housing boom. And so we got really lucky. We found a developer that had gone belly up. And we have four townhouse buildings. So the buildings have like eight uh, homes, townhouses in them, and there's four buildings. And we have a clubhouse and a pool and a multi-purpose room, a small one right now. And then we sit on 12 acres, so there's nine more acres to develop to create more housing to serve more families. But to answer your question, we all these families live here in our actual village. Now, we don't have teepee huts or, or, or anything like that. We're in townhouse buildings. But um, and at the center of our village is um, a clubhouse, like if you would think in an apartment complex or something, where there's a, a big room where we have meetings and craft time and movies and stuff like that. We have a pool. Last year, we built a beautiful new playground. We have picnic tables. And um, it's my job to develop the rest of the property. So, God willing, soon we will have a garden and a splash pad and walking trails, and we will build more housing to serve more residents. We are a program-rich community, which means there's always something going on. It's like a YMCA. There's cook time or cook camp and craft time and movie night and mentoring and sports and life coaching and um, tai Chi and yoga for the seniors. There's always something going on on the schedule. We have a learning center. Um, we have camps on Easter. We'll have a big, huge Easter barbecue. So we do a lot together. We eat together. We have potlucks together. We have meetings and problem solved together. We celebrate holidays together and birthdays together. And the residents all live here together. What does a typical day look like at New Life Village? A weekday is, is pretty normal. So um, each of these individual households is their own household. You know, there's a caregiver. There might be two parents. There might be one. But the kids get up. They go to school. Um, they go to different schools around here depending on the child's aptitude um, or if they should be in a magnet school or a specialized school for maybe behavioral issues because a lot of them have trauma. Anyways, they go to school. They come back from school. If they're in our learning center, they come to the learning center and get tutoring. Um, if there's an activity like an art camp or something special going on, they come to the clubhouse and, and participate in whatever they're going to participate in. Otherwise, the kids do their homework, do their chores, and then they just kind of run around the village like an old-fashioned neighborhood. There's a gigantic playground that a lot of them play on. Uh, they have bikes that they ride around. They play football. and So that's a weekday for us. Um, in the evenings throughout the week, we might have a residence council meeting. So that's like the State of the Union update, you know, once a month. This is what's going on with this and that. Is there events we're planning? Um, Thursday nights, there's prayer night. Um, Thursday nights, uh, every other Thursday, there's either creative writing or uh, Wayne's chess club with the kids, for example. Um, and weekends is a little busier. Um, we will have, so last weekend we had a, another, we, we partner with a lot of nonprofits um, to do different things. So we partner with a, a art nonprofit called Community Stepping Stones, and the residents met with them and are planning a big mural that we're making on the side of our playground. Other Saturdays we have hip-hop bucket drumming and we have G3 sports. Um, the parents might participate in life coaching or a life puzzle. Lots of programming, and the programming is optional. 
It sounds like a, a busy and fun place to be. You also mentioned prayer night and that the village was founded by a nun. So this is a, yeah. a Christian village? Yeah. And yes. Well, it, we're, so we're, we're founded by Sister Claire, so we, we definitely are founded on Christian principles. We have two other sisters that live here on site, uh, Sisters of the Holy Cross as well. The village is very prayerful, but we welcome all denominations and, and all and all religions. So we have folks from other religions as well. Sister Claire's heart is aligned with helping children first. So it's not a requirement that you're Christian or Catholic to live here, but we, we, we definitely are prayerful and faithful and celebrate Christian holidays. And you've now had people living in the village for about five years. When you guys first opened up, was the response overwhelming? Um, no, there was... There was the response wasn't necessarily overwhelming. It took us it took us a couple years to really understand our marketing strategy. It also took us a couple years to really um, streamline and polish the, the the process to come in and live here. So we've had to change our mission a little bit. Originally, Sister Claire and the board had hoped that we would get per se young couples that wanted to adopt a child out of foster care, an older child, a teenager, or maybe a child with disabilities, the, the children that languish in foster care and have a hard time getting placement. That was the original vision, and no, we did not have an overwhelming line of people. Um, it's a rental community, so some people want to rent, some people don't. Um, and over time, we kind of had to look at what was going on in the market, and um, we realized there was a lot of kinship providers. Uh, there's a lot of families that step up and take care of their, of their kin to get them out of foster care. So we broadened our mission to that. Um, and then also um, we realized that there's a foster care crisis and there's not enough homes to foster children at all. Fundamentally, we want to get kids to permanency. But Sister Claire also realized, you know, if we can incentivize some more people to help these children and foster them, we would open up our doors to that as well. So we kind of had to learn over time. Um, now we're on a waiting list. We have about uh, 40 people waiting to get in, which is why wow. we need to build more buildings. Yeah, um, and, and now we've figured out our marketing strategy, how to get the word out, who to tell. But it took a couple years to get that right. Um, we are in our fifth year um, of having residents here. Again, we're full. And there's other concepts like this around the country. There's about 17 other concepts. Some serve the same demographic as us. You mentioned that a lot of these kids have experienced trauma, and then when a child goes into foster care, that's traumatic in itself in a lot of ways. They're taken from their home and everything they know, right? So have you found that kids being able to move here, there's a greater sense of, I don't know, stability for them, I suppose, is the word? That's our entire goal is to provide stability, safety, and family for them. So most of the kids that are here are in a permanent placement. That means they've been adopted. They're no longer in foster status. There's a couple exceptions, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but, yes, the, whole, the entire heart and soul of this community is, is to provide safety, security, stability to these kids who have not seen that. And usually when you've uh, experienced trauma, it's not just one trauma. So yeah. if you were abused or neglected by a parent, that is a couple traumas. Uh, at whatever point law enforcement got involved and showed up and took you away from your parent. That's another trauma. Every time you're placed in another foster home, which these kids often get skipped around a lot, that's another trauma. And so they're just compounded. Um, we are a trauma-informed community, and we do lots and lots of trauma training to teach parents, some of who have seen, you know, and caregivers, some of who have seen trauma themselves, how to interact with 
these kids how to adjust expectations, how to build trust with them, so we can teach these kids, hey, the bear, there's not always a bear trying to attack you, which is how a traumatized child's brain ends up working without therapy. They always think it's a state of emergency, no matter what it is. If they spill milk, it's a state of emergency. And so we have to work with them, work with each other, and remind ourselves of that on a daily basis. You told us about the effects that the village has on the children. What about the seniors that live there and get to interact with the kids on a daily basis? They really, um, it, it really means a lot to them to make a difference. And it really makes a lot to them to interact and to have each other and to have the kids and to see them um, grow. Little things like, you know, the kids in the learning center, if, if, if a child brings home a B or a C, even if they were a D or F student before, and that senior's worked with that child, that puts a big smile on their face. If a child said was polite and problem-solved in a way that wasn't, you know, catastrophic, that puts a smile on their face. If they get to make a butterfly or a flower or bake a cupcake next to them, that puts smile on their face. The seniors really enjoy every little bit of it. Um, it's intentional retirement for them. They, they have purpose and they love it. And they give us great insight on how to make rules and policies and, and you know, evolving around here. It's a big family and we're not without challenges. And we, when we have problems, we have to problem solve together as well. One thing we also notice, not only is it intergenerational, it's very diverse. You know, it's, it's interesting. When you get within the, the gates here, I mean, for the most part, sometimes race um, and ethnicity does come up and relevant to different issues. But for the most part, when you get in the gates, we don't see color anymore. We don't even think about it. But we're very, very diverse, like I said. And, and it's also representative of the local market in Tampa. Um, we kind of stopped seeing color and, and, and are more focused on the children you know what I mean, and the children's needs. Um, but we have everybody that looks all kinds of different ways living here, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and mixed, and different education levels, different background levels. It, it, it enriches our community. I don't think we'd want it any other way. Mariah, have you experienced any miracles at New Life Village since opening up? Oh, all the time. <laughs> um, there's always lots of miracles happen around here. Um, one particular story, uh, we there was a little boy who unfortunately was killed in child abuse in, in Hillsborough a couple years ago, um, and his siblings that survived his abuse uh, got placed with their grandmother, and she found her way here. Um, she, went, she didn't even know about us. She actually went to the apartment complex next door looking for housing, and they said, lady, you're in the wrong place, and they sent her over to us. Uh, <laughs> God willing, we had a three-bedroom open. We normally, three bedrooms are very coveted around here. We were able to get her in. They've lived us. They've lived with us for about a year now, and um, those kids have blossomed quite a bit. Um, I, for good reason, they were scared of everything. You know, their their brother died, and uh, now they're participating in martial arts and riding their bikes. And, and there's trust, and they can go out and feel safe. And and and. And so that's one of our great stories. And there's just all kinds of stories. What's that like um, for you to witness that? It usually makes me tear up and babble like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it, it just lets me know that, you know, I'm, I'm serving a mission right now and I'm lucky to do it. I, I feel privileged to be a part of it. 
It's just such an incredible model, and it would be so amazing to see more places like this pop up around North America. How can we find out more info about New Life Village and maybe doing something similar? Um, if they're not in the local Tampa area, um, either giving us a phone call or seeing our website, check us out at newlifevillage.org. Also, we're pretty active on Facebook. We share lots of cool stuff there. So we, if you look up New Life Village on Facebook, you can follow us there. If they're in the local uh, Tampa market, the best thing to do is we have a quarterly luncheon where we educate the community about, you know, our what we're what we've done and where we're going. And so we have those once a quarter. So they would uh, get a hold of me and get on that guest list for one of our luncheons. Mariah, what has the last five years taught you about trusting God? We've had a lot of challenges, and um, and we will continue to. Um, with almost a hundred residents living together, things come up, but we. If you have patience and you pray, things always seem to work out around here. That's at least my experience. And um, it's, it's not forcing the outcome. It's trusting, you know, God's outcome, which I'm sure all of us everywhere struggle with, you know, with that trust. But things, you know, a lot, people give me a lot of credit and say, hey, things are going great. And no, things are just falling into place because, you know, we, we steward the leads and we follow up. But I definitely believe the wind is at our back. And a lot of people pray for us, and we just continue to be blessed. Well, we'll definitely encourage everybody to do that today, to keep New Life Village in your prayers. What an incredible story. And something that maybe you should think of doing in your own community. Yeah, wouldn't it be neat if we could have villages like that all across North America providing oh, love to hurting kids? Pray about that. You never know what might happen. Thanks for listening to Connections. Don't forget... Subscribe for free. Follow the podcast. It would mean a lot to us. We need more and more of you spreading the good news stories found on Connections. You can find the podcast at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcasts from. We'll talk to you again.